I was reading uh, a tweet uh, earlier, and it read this way. Oil tanker champion Istra sails past Victoria, British Columbia this morning en route to Korea. Yellow launch takes off the coastal pilots, and then the ship slides smoothly out to sea. Tankers on this route have perfect safety record over 100 years. That tweet came from a fellow named Stuart Muir. Stuart is a contributing writer for Canadians for Affordable Energy, and he's executive director of Resource Works, and we have Stuart Muir on the line. Hi, how are you? Good afternoon, Hello, Peter. I'm good. Great to have you with us. I know that uh, you're out in Victoria and that you shot this footage, which I took a look at. And uh, I've also read some material from you that talks about the fact that, and I think people are going to be surprised to hear this, the stuff that's in those tankers uh, largely is Russian oil coming from Vladivostok. Is that right? Yes. Well, not all tankers. We, we uh, too much of recently saw a ship come from uh, Russia full of uh, crude oil to refineries just on the other side of the U.S.-Canada border in British Columbia on the seaside. So it came in through the Strait of Water, if you got past the city of Victoria, and then to these refineries. Now, normally, when crude oil comes in, it comes from Alaska. The Alaskans have a lot of oil. They ship down to the, the lower 48, and uh, that is used in fueling Washington State and Oregon drivers. But uh, they're, they're looking forward to getting more Alberta oil because, well, it's right there, so they want to have access to that. But we don't have the pipeline built. We don't have the new expanded Kinder Morgan pipeline. We, the whole country's been hearing about this stalled project, which hopefully is moving ahead. But anyways, I was looking at tanker traffic not long ago and, and saw that a ship had come from Russia and it was full of crude oil. And uh, you asked the question, well, what's going on here? Well, um, we, we are on the Pacific coast having to turn to Russia for supplies because we can't get enough Canadian, also that matter, American oil, to the region. And so it's coming from a country that's sanctioned right now because of the invasion of Crimea. It's been promulgating fake news. It's not a, uh, a friendly, pleasant actor on the international stage, but here we are paying a lot of money to get their, their uh, uh, oil to the coast so people can get around in their cars. It just seems strange. Well, you don't like Russia very much, uh, from, from what I'm hearing, because you're bringing into uh, the situation Crimea and uh, the Ukraine and all the rest of it, and I guess we could agree on that, but that's another discussion. The point is that the Straits of Juan de Fuca and that whole area of the uh, Pacific Northwest are being plied by tankers that are carrying Russian crude, not to say American crude. They're not carrying Canadian crude. And um, so I, I think that the point that you're trying to make is that if we build this pipeline, which is contentious, because the Prime Minister said months ago, I'm going to build this thing. And uh, you've got a Premier out there in British Columbia, Horgan, who says, no, you're not, and uh, they're prepared to go to court. So right now, as far as I understand it, we're in a standoff, and um, I don't think that's particularly good for Canada. It doesn't make us uh, a unified country when one province says we're not going to send another province's prime output, to wit, Alberta oil, to the marketplace uh, at the very obvious point where it should reach the marketplace, which is by coming out of a pipe, going into tankers right there, where tankers are going by anyway. Point is, there, there's uh, if there's going to be an environmental disaster because a tanker splits open down there, uh, right now it wouldn't be one of ours anyway. And I don't think we've had that kind of a disaster on that coast Am I correct in saying ever? Yeah, that's right. We've been successful. Uh, we, we had oil coming in from 
California from about 1915, and then starting in the 1950s, uh, Canadian some of Canadian oil started to be exported. Uh, it's gone down the coast very safely to to Southern California to the refineries there, uh, very safely on a you know small scale for many years, and that's because of the small existing pipeline that's in place. But you, know, you make a very good point on this uh, because I think a lot of people uh, have been told and maybe accept the idea that. If we don't build that pipeline and we don't encourage uh, the Western prosperity with the oil sands, that's a way to get off fossil fuels and save the planet. When what's really happening is that the pressure on production of, of uh, crude oil from Canada uh, is not resulting in people driving or using electric cars because Canadians aren't buying many electric cars and they're certainly not driving less. They're driving bigger vehicles. And, and so the uh, source of that is just being you know, found elsewhere. It, it'll come from Russia. We know it's coming from Saudi Arabia on the East Coast. That was in the news recently when, when those draconian uh, surprise measures against Canada were undertaken. We were reminded of that fact. So on both coasts, here we are. We're not in a post-carbon era at all. We're in a almost a post-Canadian energy era where we can't get our own uh, uh, oil and gas to, to Canadian markets that badly need it. Stuart, can I can I just stop you there for a second, and uh, can I ask you a question? Well, what kind of a telephone are you using? Because we're having a real hard time hearing you. Um, I'm just uh, looking to see if I can, with this little switch, make a difference. Does that? Oh, it's a huge difference. Keep going. Oh, okay, very good. Thanks for pointing that out, Peter. Um, but uh, but I think that uh, you know Canada is now producing uh, uh, oil that is of a global standard. There's been a lot of uh, critique of the oil sands in Alberta for not supplying uh, environmentally sound oil. We're getting better and better at improving our practices. And recently, one of the newest big oil sands projects, Fort Hills, uh, came in at the same uh, carbon emissions measure as the average American barrel of oil. And that means that we no longer have to you know, make this distinction that Canadian oil is is not as sound as other oil. Okay, well, and let me let me stop you there. We we know we have the good oil, okay, that 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 we can deliver oil that is at par with anything else that's being bought. We know that it's stuck there in Alberta, therefore it goes uh, generally over land and to a smaller extent through the existing uh, smaller pipeline to the coast, uh, and that when we wind up selling it, we sell it at a cut rate, like we we sell it for thirty to forty bucks a barrel when the world price is sixty to seventy bucks a barrel, and what we we want to do is we want to make sure that Alberta is healthy and through Alberta that we're uh, in Canada getting the maximum price and value for our resources. What is wrong with your your fellow British Columbians that they uh, they talk about saving the planet by stopping a pipeline when in fact the very same oil that somebody needs is being purchased out there in Alaska or in in Russia and we're missing literally the boat. I think there has been a very concerted, really successful uh, propaganda effort over many years to persuade people of some some facts that aren't really true on closer scrutiny. And just last week, I was on a panel with uh, a professor and and a legal activist. We were talking about the Kinder Morgan pipeline expansion, and you know these these are people who are constantly out there repeating. Uh, uh, their ideas about the the risk of a, a spill greatly overstated. You know, the, the risk of a spill is actually based on the best information we have in English Bay on the on the coast. Once every 
3,200 years, if you can believe it. Um, but they uh, are uh, letting people think that it's it's much greater than that. It's really a very small risk because of the double holes we have, the extra pilots we have on board, the three tugs that we have accompanying these things. So many so many uh, layers of safety. It's incredible. And we also are hearing that Canadian oil is no good. That's why it sells for a lower price. Well, that's not the case at all. It's because it's landlocked. It can't enter into the global marketplace where its its full price is given. And every person working in Canadian oil and gas who's trading in markets has come to understand this fact. And yet there's a um, a very vocal lobby saying that none of these things are true. They're all lying. It's big oil. Of course, they're lying. They can't be trusted. And I think for a certain number of people, they they are you know naturally suspicious of big business and authority figures. So they will accept these statements. And I think it's it's just so important that we get some basic facts out there on the table so that the average person can calmly assess them for themselves. Well, Stuart, I think you're doing a good job of that right now, and I, uh, I'm i going to run out of time here. So I'm going to say this. Yeah. Beat the drum for us Easterners uh, out there in British Columbia and make sure that people know that Horgan can't stay around if he wants to be uh, uh, a guy with his arms folded uh, looking at the rest of us and saying no. It's just not appropriate. Well, I'm so glad to know that you in Eastern Canada are standing up for the West because we need that support. Thank you so much, Peter. Stuart Muir is a contributing writer for Canadians for Affordable Energy and executive director of Resource Works, and that's the story of uh, how oil gets from uh, Alaska and Russia wherever it wants to go but doesn't come out of Canada to any extent at all when, in fact, it, it could. I'm for the Kinder Morgan Pipeline. I bet everybody listening is as well. I am Peter Sherman. This is Global News Radio 640 Toronto.